Running a business in Africa is a unique experience for several reasons. You probably started and stopped after a while for reasons best known to you. Don't worry, we understand that. Which is why we made this audio story just for you. Here are a few things to know when running a business in Africa. Welcome to the Tony Elumelu Foundation Audio Stories on Entrepreneurship in Africa. My name is Ifedaya Duresimi Etsi. I'm a Tony Elumelu entrepreneur from the class of 2016. I'm the co-founder of Paliamo Bambini, a kids furniture company in Nigeria. So we make baby cots, chest changers, wardrobes, rocking chairs, ottomans, all for kids. And we make sure that they're safe for babies and, you know, toddlers to use. Um, since we launched in 2015, we've been able to serve over 1,200 customers across Nigeria. And we're currently, we've, we've currently sent our furniture to five states in Nigeria. So it's been an amazing journey. And I'm um, Gregory Asenime, a 20 million entrepreneur from the class of 2016. And I'm founder of Parcel It's an on-demand logistics company. So pretty much it's Uber, but for parcel deliveries. Uh, we launched in 2016, in 2017, sorry, but all the behind the scenes work started long before that. My name is Michael Balogun. I'm a 20 million entrepreneur, um, class of 2016. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Total Nigeria. What we do is practically sell the biggest stuff packages strictly inbound in Nigeria. We don't touch any other thing, just Nigeria. And so far so good, we've partnered a lot of companies, hospitality businesses, both internationally. And one of our greatest success was two years ago, we got Nigeria listed on the biggest top packaging site in the world, owned by TripAdvisor, (laughs) named Viator. They have over 350 million active monthly users. We got them on board. And now we sell international packages for inbound and then we still do reviews as of today, this morning. I have over 49,000 as a senior contributor on TripAdvisor. At the end of 2017, our company was nominated under the best category for the best operator in Nigeria by the Nigerian Travel Week. What challenges do you face in your different sectors and in your businesses? We we'll start yeah, with my... um, As a tour operator, we, the challenges we virtually face with any tour operating company with the old security issues, not just Nigeria alone, it is all over the world. Security and then infrastructures. When I talk about securities, we've been in the, in the news for the wrong reasons, talking about the kidnapping, the Boko Haram issue, the terrorism stuff. But in as much as we are looking at all that security challenges, we are still doing our tours because we map out where we take our clients, we give them security updates some places we don't go to, there are things we put in place. We are partnered with the Nigerian police. We take security. Even if it's just one client, we take security. The other challenges is um, the infrastructures, the roads. Like imagine you're going to Badagri, which should be like, if the roads were good, it should be like an hour drive and all that. Some days you take three hours, four hours. That takes out of all the stress. And then the cost of logistics goes up with that scenario and all that. And, the last two years, we've worked both with the government and the private sectors and all that. Like, we have a one on one interaction with the DG of um, NTDC, Mr. Folarin Koka. We are in, I'm a member of Nigerian Association of Top Operators, NANTOP. So, all that one gave us that leverage to now speak out and, you know, merge with other government officials. Gregory, so what challenges do you face in your particular business? Well, there are two separate kinds of problems that we face. First off is the tech. So we are heavily dependent and reliant on tech. 
And even the tech in itself can be split into two kinds of problems. So first off is the network problem. Uh, since it's tech reliant and also network dependent, uh, if you have small network uh, fluctuation on your phone, it can affect a whole lot. Even from the back end for us as well, it causes lots of problems. We had the tech issues, but also the uh, rider issues. So we aggregate uh, uh, dispatch riders and to ensure quality service delivery at every given point in time that became some sort of a headache so we had to then uh, integrate feedback systems uh, rating systems uh, quickly and strike striking kind of systems where a dispatch rider defaults today you give him a strike one it defaults consecutively and then you delist him how many him. dispatch riders do you have on your system now uh, we have about 50 of them what are your challenges Okay, some of my, or the most challenging thing for us is talent management, because we deal with a lot of artisans. So sometimes they don't really understand um, safety issues. They don't understand that they have to keep the quality at par. So, and most of, because they are artisans, most of them are not really um, educated. So we have to, you know, train and train and train them so that they can get to the level that we want, because safety is our number one priority. And what's um, education got to do with being a craftsperson? Um, they because need to, without them, you don't have a business. Yes, they need to have a certain level of understanding. If you're not, if you're not educated, you don't really understand why um, a bed really needs to be safe. They just want to make the bed and the baby will sleep in the bed. But if they don't really understand the intricacies of, of the importance of some particular things, for example, the beds that we, we make, it needs to be... Um, it can be sharp. But if you give it to a normal roadside carpenter, they will just do anything just so that you can put a mattress inside and keep mm -hmm. it there. But, you know, for us to explain to these carpenters, okay, you know, you have to do it like this, do it this way, so they, sometimes they need to have some certain level of understanding and be able to receive the information as opposed to, you know, just meeting any roadside carpenter. That's number one challenge. Number two is infrastructure. Um, you know, light light issues, water issues, security issues too. You know, we have a workshop and sometimes we're actually scared to, you know, keep some of our stock because we um, deliver things in batches. So when we have, when we do some of our um, items and we want to take it to customers, we leave some in the workshop and then deliver it. But sometimes we're scared that, okay, if we leave this thing, you know, for two days, three days, and people in the neighborhood know, you know, we're scared of burglars, you know, because it has, yeah, security issue. It has actually happened before. Actually, just share with us, so where can, you know, when listeners are, you know, I mean, we will be parents, you know, parents-to-be who are looking for furniture for, for babies, babies yeah. and, and young children, you tell the audiences where they can find it. Oh, yes, you can find us on our website. It's parliamobambini.com, so www.parliamobambini.com. You can also reach out to us on Instagram, and our email address is also on Instagram. It's info at parliamobambini.com or sales at parliamobambini.com. Okay, the, everybody always talks about, you know, the success of the entrepreneurs. I believe failure is equally as important. And I'd like for you to share with the audience what your understanding, um, you know, what's your concept of failure and, and you know, and how do you deal with failure? Uh, as is, because we try to personalize every relationship that we have. So if we're dealing with it, despite the fact that we've uh, shipped packages for tons of people, we personalize each relationship. So being unable to satisfy end to end any customer is, it gives every person on the inside lots of headaches. Uh, so you see every person running all over the place, uh, trying to 
uh, get back in touch with these clients to at least get a sense of okay where we went wrong and how to actually fi- uh, fill that void. And we, but we also have lots of lots of. Uh, uh, now not as many anymore uh, but when we first rolled out we had lots of slow days lots of bad days uh, where because of the volatility of the tech that we were operating at the time you could sleep wake up and it's hanging uh, so we had those kinds of days and you need to see us on the back end where every person is running all over the place trying to fix what the problem actually was so it doesn't uh, go beyond a couple of minutes or maximum a few hours. Do you believe there's a winning formula to becoming a successful entrepreneur? And if so, what's yours? Um, I don't think there's a winning formula, but I just think that you just have to keep working. You just have to keep developing yourself. You have to keep meeting people. I think networking is very, very important as an entrepreneur. And it has really, really helped my business. You know, it has really helped me take myself, you know, personal development and my business to the next level. For example, I'm part of the Global Shippers community of the World Economic Forum and we had a meeting recently and just because they knew I was passionate about women empowerment, they sent they called someone and you know I got an email from the United Nations to come for the um, United Nations CSW that's happening this week. So I think it's very, very, very important to be, you know, part of these networks, you know, that can also help you and your business, you know, take to the next level. Gregory, how do you identify business opportunities and what metrics do you use to measure their viability? First of all, it's how big the problem is. Because for it to be a, an opportunity means there has to be an underlying problem. Uh, so it's, is it a problem on an individual basis or what scale of a problem is it? And how much uh, resources can I access uh, or how much preparation will be needed to fill that void uh, and if it's something that one can actually attempt. So, but these are the, some of the things that you have to weigh uh, before deciding if it's something you want to venture into. How would you rank the key five skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Okay. Skills. Skills. Uh, being able to uh, manage relationships or network. Uh, uh, being able to self-motivate. Now, that is key because you'd have very many bad days. Uh, So being able to get yourself out of bed even when you know uh, the headaches that lay ahead. Uh, so being able to do that is is some other thing. Being able to man manage. So uh, you have a pool of uh, personnel or some kinds of interactions that you have with people you work with or partners that you have. So being able to manage those kinds of partnerships is key. And that, I think, is very different from your networking abilities. Uh, so being able to uh, manage these people or these relationships uh, that you have is also something very very, very key. Um, for you to be successful as an entrepreneur, you need to have good leadership skills. You need to be able to, like he said, motivate your um, employees so that they can see your vision and understand your vision. You also need to understand finance. And if you don't understand finance, you need to get an accountant who understands what you're doing, especially at the beginning of your business. Don't think, oh, I don't have money. I can't employ an accountant. It's very, very important to have you know, your numbers in check. It's also important to also have a lawyer when you're you know, doing your contracts with your suppliers we are very very you know dependent on contractors so it's very very important for you to you know document every um, discussion document every process so that you know your business can move smoothly 
Yeah, but picking up uh, from where she's, she left off on finances, uh, it's very easy and that happens a lot. So you make a whole lot of plans before money comes. And the moment money comes, plans go out the window. Uh, so not just uh, having, there should be some element of financial discipline. So you've created some kind of plan. Uh, it's always going to be plus or minus. So the, especially if you don't have a wide enough gap for, to make room for miscellaneous, for instance. So it's always going to be plus or minus. But have some kind of financial discipline. Separate yourself from your business. Uh, know where your business money stops. And where and know that come your own is a very different. The fact that you are the sole signature in some cases doesn't necessarily give you the right to just dip your hands in there whenever you want to buy a new wristwatch. Uh, so you should know the difference between Parcelit and Gregory. Uh, so have that kind of, and that's where the legal or company structure also comes into the picture. Find some way to be responsible to someone or something. Uh, so if you have that, if you're accountable to someone, so even if it's a board of advisors that you create, uh, this is non-structured, but be responsible and accountable to someone. Or the, and so it helps. It helps create that internal system and structure that you can actually build a culture around. My question is always, so what was your takeaway? What were the three things or one thing that you took away from your experience on the entrepreneurship program that you can share with the listeners? Access, access, access. So you have access to, at least in your immediate cohort, a thousand people. Uh, you have access to not just the 1,000, but other cohorts. That's the second access. And the third access is not just the entrepreneurs themselves, but the links and doors that the TEF can actually open for you. So again, access, access. Access. Thank you. Really, what you're saying is, you know, not only from the mentoring and the 12-week training, plus you know the gathering at the the forum, the kite mark that is the Tony Lumlu Foundation Entrepreneurship Program. The fact that you've been on it, yeah, it actually goes on to open further doors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of doors.